of God from Joshua chapter 2, Matthew chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 11. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shidem. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come up here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may be able to catch up with them. But she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she did let them down by a rope through a window, for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hill so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which we let you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. For if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you have made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. From Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of King David. And from Hebrews eleven thirty one, 
by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church family. I hope you're doing well today. I, I know this isn't ideal for me to preach a message via video recording. Uh, I wish I was there with you in sacred assembly to worship God together. Stupid virus. Honestly, I talked to God a couple months back and we were like, are we done with COVID in 2022, God, right? And I was honestly thinking we really would be. But nope, here we are again. I kind of feel like the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness. It wasn't two years like us with COVID, but more like 40. But please, God, not 40 years of this. But similarly, kind of sense of lostness, a sense of what's going to happen next, not knowing if this is going to end. And I love the fact that we're in this period together, knowing that it's just like the Israelites, we trust in the promises of God and know that whatever we face, God is with us. And that's all that matters. Today, we're in Joshua chapter two in our series in the book of Joshua. And I love this passage in Joshua. It talks about specifically a woman named Rahab, one of the most significant figures in the Bible, even though I mentioned very shortly for a very short amount of time. She's mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament, specifically in the genealogy of Jesus and in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. And this significant woman plays a large role by one act of faith and shapes the way for the gospel for the nations. So her story of Rahab is what we're going to kind of focus in on this morning. And I love this story, but not just me. I want to share with you uh, three other people and their hearts of what the story of Rahab meant to them. So listen to this. Uh, so there are two things that come to my mind whenever I think about the story of Rahab. The first one is just her obedience, uh, that she heard about the God of Israel. And instead of just doing like the other people and just being filled with fear and not making any steps or taking any action, she actually decided to go and align herself with that God. Uh, she received the spies and she put herself in the line uh, and she fought for them. Um, and the second thing is actually the spies part when they went to rehab and they didn't just see her as a prostitute but they have seen how God redemption story can be done through that and so I, I would say that right theology is the one that we put into practice and so for rehab she didn't just have the information of God but she actually did have a part of God's plan and she went on a mission with them and for the spies it's kind of like us when we uh, look at um, other people and seeing people people with dignity, uh, people who are made in the image of God. Um, it doesn't mean their status doesn't mean anything when it comes to really seeing them for who God made them to be. I once heard a talk where the woman speaking said, if you wonder what God thinks about women, then go back and read all of Jesus' interactions with women in the Gospels. So I took her up on it, and I was amazed at how gentle and respectful Jesus was with all women in all circumstances. Over and over again, he reminded them that they were seen, even in a crowd. He never recoiled from their touch. Uh, he never dismissed their emotions or their lavish displays of affection. And he also challenged them to learn at his feet and to be a part of his mission. So when I read Rahab, it reminds me that that's not just in the New Testament, but also in the stories passed down in the Old Testament, that even though Rahab was a prostitute and a foreigner, 
God allowed her to see that He was the Lord of heaven above and the earth below, and she chose to fear Him instead of men, and she was commended for her faith. I love that we get a little bit more of her story in the book of Ruth and in the genealogy of Matthew. We see that God not only spared her and her family, He gave her a new life within the Israelite community. Um, she married Salmon, who was an Israelite, and she gave birth to Boaz who grew up and became a man who showed gentleness and respect to another faithful foreign woman in a vulnerable situation, Ruth. And both Ruth and Rahab got to be a part of the line that led to King David and ultimately to Jesus. Um, so this just encourages me and gives me hope. It reminds me that God sees us, that He adopts us into His family, and that He rewrites our stories in a way that can affect generations to come. So when I look at my life and I see cycles that I want to be broken and grace and truth that I want to be passed on, I look at Rahab and, and I'm encouraged. I love that there are a handful of women listed in the lineage of Jesus, quite scandalous for the culture. I love how God teaches us through all their stories, but Rahab's might be my favorite. We get to see how Rahab believes in God, has faith in Him, and walks forward in obedience. She's a great model of faith for those reasons alone, and her place in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews backs that up. But why would God list in His lineage a woman who is a prostitute who isn't even part of God's people group? I mean, not every person who is in the lineage of Jesus is even listed, so why not just leave her out? Her inclusion shows me that God is not ashamed of who we are or our past, that we find redemption in Him, and that He uses exactly who He wants for His glory. Scripture is clear in many places that God's kingdom is for all people, male and female, Jew and Gentile, slave and free. Our value is deep as image bearers, and Rahab's named place in Jesus' lineage, lineage helps me to walk forward in faith and obedience to our God who sees. In our scripture today, we start off with kind of history repeating itself. Moses sent out 12 spies to 40 years ago to check out the land. Now Joshua is doing the same thing. He's just doing military intelligence. He's sending out two spies to check out the city of, of Jericho while the Israelites are trying to figure out ways to cross the Jordan River. And the first thing they encounter is this walled city called Jericho. And the spies go and they stay at a home of a prostitute named Rahab, who, as we find out, lives actually on the city wall where many of the homes were. So it's actually not only a good place to hide out, it was also um, in the city walls. It's actually a good place to get in and out of the city. However, the spies have not gone undetected. The king hears about them. They hear about people from this large Israelite tribe that's been outside of his walls have sent men in. So Rahab hides the spies, tells men of Jericho that they have to leave, and she and and tells the men of Jericho that he doesn't know where the spies are and convinces them to leave and then sends the men of Israel out in safety. Now this is a crazy situation, a crazy story that she's commended for. And one of the common questions people ask is, didn't she lie? Was Why would she be able to tell a lie that commended for her faith? James 2.25 says in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and off in a different direction? And so to understand this, this is where we need to understand that truth in Israel was not defined by agreement only with fact, but by loyalty towards the Lord. And the most important foundational element of what is right and true for them was loyalty to God. So Rahab is praised for her faith and acting 
swiftly because she acted in loyalty to the Lord instead of out of fear of men. Even if that meant loyalty meant lying to the people that she was in tribe or in the city with, and instead what meant loyalty to the Lord of Israel. Now the question I always ask is, why would Rahab make that decision? I mean, what possible reason could Rahab say that this is what I want to do? This is, um, I want to go against my city of Jericho and go with the, with the God of Israel. And so you got to understand that this is what's happening in the 40 years of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They're not just wandering for no purpose. They, the people have heard this whole region is lit on fire with the news that the slaves revolted from the mighty empire of the Egyptians. They heard about the great things God did. They heard about the plagues. They heard about the, the sea. They heard about the provision in the wilderness. And they're like, what is happening here? How are these people making it? How are the slaves making it? How are they being formed into a nation? How are they winning these battles? What is happening? And so Rahab, who hears about all this, says, man, there's something about that that I'm appealed, something that desires in my heart, something longs for that. And not only that, she looks around maybe and she looks around the city that she lives in. And realizes that Canaanite religion, what it, for what it is, might be just something so wrong that doesn't speak to her heart. Canaanite religion was famous for child sacrifice and for sexual immorality. The whole region actually was known for the way it treated people and its depth of its depravity. And so maybe at one point, Rahab just stopped and said, I heard about this other nation, and there's a God that demands justice, cares for the orphan and the widow, brought together people out of slavery, keeps his promises. Maybe I want that. Maybe that's something that I want a part of. Now there are two things I want Rahab's story to point us to in the gospel of God's, uh, to point us to. And one is, is point, Rahab's story points us to the gospel of God's saving grace for all sinners. And I want you to get this. This is so huge. In Matthew 1, it lists the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. And it lists these names, Judah, Perez, Zerah, Tamar, Hezron, Aminadab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, Rahab, Boaz, Obed. And these are incredible names. And if you ever look through them, you notice incredible names that just don't make sense fitting in there. Namely, Tamar. Namely, Rahab. Even David and Bathsheba, the, the one who, the king who slept with his friend's wife and then had her husband killed to cover it up. The people who are not from Israel, Rahab and Ruth. I mean, just incredible stories of, 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 of people who don't seem to fit in to a genealogy that you would want to use to say, look at my genealogy, look how incredible it is, but these names don't fit in. And I love this about it. What it shows, what it tells me is that Jesus was never ashamed to call Rahab part of his family. It tells me that no matter what I've done, who I am, or what my past might have been, he's never ashamed to have me. No, Rahab is a prostitute, living among a people whose sin has reached a point of no return, immorality, child sacrifice, and so on. The Canaanites are sinful people put to justice. And that's where who she lived amongst, but God in his great wisdom decided to do something incredible. I love how we're not sure if Joshua's good and genius idea to send out spies, right? which is a good military strategy, or maybe that God told him to send out spies. Well, in one instance, it makes sense, Joshua sending out spies, because that would mean on the one hand 
um, Joshua was having good military intelligence, taking good ideas in. But if God told Joshua to send out spies, that doesn't really kind of make sense because God wasn't using military might to conquer Jericho, right? How does he end up conquering Jericho anyway? The wall comes tumbling down, the, the trumpets blowing, all that kind of stuff, you know? It wasn't because he knew how the, the, how many soldiers were in the town or who was operating where. No, it was just miraculous power. But then why send the spies? I like to think that God called Joshua to send the spies to save Rahab. Think about this. Think how amazing this God is. The God who already saved his Israelite people and said, no, no, I'm not just saving you Israel to be a blessing to Israel. I'm saving you Israel to be a blessing even to the Canaanites. Even to a Canaanite woman named Rahab. Look that just shows us the universality of God's gospel hope. His good message is that he's not just reaching out and sending spies to just save his people, but he's calling all nations to himself. Do you get that? I just love that idea. The spies are, are, are being sent out and this Rahab message points us to God's saving grace for all sinners. Not because we deserve it. Not because Ruth or Rahab was sitting here as a prostitute saying, I've done anything to deserve anything, but because God has called and reached out. Reached out to her and decided that in his sovereign goodness, he's going to bring her to him in a relationship with him and include her in the genealogy of Jesus. Hebrews 11, 30, 31 says, By the faith, the wall of Jericho fell. And after people went marching around them for seven days, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. But Rahab, by faith, believes that God can save her, that God is calling her. She's saved because she puts a scarlet cord outside of her window. And doesn't that sound like something else, right? Does that sound like the Exodus, the Passover, the blood of the Lamb, outside you when judgment will pass over your house? But that ultimately points forward to the blood of Jesus as how it really rescues us from wrath, from death, and brings deliverance and salvation to us. The heart of Rahab's story is a gospel story. It's a story of God who shows grace to those who trust in him, no matter what they've done. It's a God who uses those whose lives are messy, who are far from perfect, to trust in him. It's about a God who's not afraid to get his hands dirty, to work through scandalous, questionable people in order to save his people. There's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's a second act, there's hope. And then she's not just Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab the woman of faith, Rahab in the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus. One last point that I want to make from the story of Rahab is that faith in God will mean choosing loyalty to him over loyalty to man. Rahab does not simply have faith in word only. She shows her faith by her deeds, by her willing to risk her safety, her house, to, to separate herself from her countrymen in order to protect the spies that, believe, that she believes represent the one true God. James 2 says, you see that a person is justified by what he does, not by faith alone. In the same way, it was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Remember that to the Israelite truth is more about not lying than it's about loyalty to God. You can think of stories like Cory Ten Boom and her family in World War II risking her family's life by hiding Jews in the family home in the Netherlands and lying about it to the Nazis. Faith in God is going on display itself in loyalty to him over loyalty to man. And that's important to see that is that it's it's values that place God first. Truth is God's truth, not our truth. And what's most important is playing loyalty to the king and God that made you. 
Faithing God is, is going to mean at times incurring the hatred of the world, even your own family. Because loyalty to God is primary. Don't take this the wrong way as an excuse for sin, but this is the reality of what it means to follow God. Many of you will face this at, at work, at school, amongst your, your, your co-workers, your peers. I'm sure many, many of you are going to make decisions that will lead to ridicule or condemnation. You may not be at peace in some places, but loyalty to God is what is called for when you're faithful and, and, and that might lead to hostility or persecution. I want you to understand that loyalty to God is not loyalty to a party. It's not loyalty to anything on earth. It's loyalty to the God, God who's called you to a relationship with them, to the people of God, ultimately to the, the larger church body and then to the local church that God's called you to covenant with. And so it's not loyalty to a social movement, not loyalty to an idea, but to a relationship that God's called you to. So my people, faith in action is what you're called to. So may our words never be just words. May our thoughts never just be thoughts. Maybe deeds done out, followed by words of affirmation pointing to the living Christ. Waypoint Church, I love you so much. May your worship be sincere from our hearts, from a, faith, a faithful heart that knows that God loves us and has called us to purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even in the midst of such difficult and weird and crazy times, you are still here, you are with us. God, that whatever giants may come our way, whatever walled cities may come our way, we can face them with, with bravery and courage because you are with us. And God, we thank you that, God, we did nothing to deserve your love, that you've called us into a relationship with you, much like you called Rahab. Nothing out of our own merit, but just come out of your goodness and love for us. So may we act like Rahab, may we act in faith, holding loyalty to you above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.